keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts, host Grand Slam, Arthur Ashe Show, slash the Roast of Honky Tonk Man edition. And we got with us today, he's been on Letterman. He used to be on the old Tell F and Marks. I've, I've known this guy forever. We started, started doing shows with Joe Frank once together. Uh, Kevin McCaffrey, everybody. Kevin, thank you for coming hey. on, buddy. Oh, hey, man. Thank you. It was, yeah, we've been, we've hung out since way back. We buried Joe Franklin together, and uh, I'll never forget <laughs> me, me you. And, me yeah. and Kevin McCaffrey did a lot of shows with Jackie Mason daughter <laughs> that was mike in his speech somehow had four apostrophes there after in between <laughs> mason and the s we sure did yes uh, shiva mason uh, his daughter who went to high school with my wife so we're really bringing this full circle oh well, remember, remember we're about we we're about connecting Kevin people on this podcast remember we did shows where, where angry bob would light us from his car yes he was visible from the window and, and to it's... be fair that's because we were performing in the back seat <laughs> yeah <laughs> he he helped, he re he would re-angle the window depending on everyone's height he would try to work make it work for you <laughs> yeah, if you're wondering who he is imagine if team taz was one person <laughs> yeah what if things were going worse for team taz and they were trying even less then uh you've got it well, folks, uh, let's 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 get right into it, um, which is we all went to the show. Well, not uh, half of us went to the show last night. Zach went to the show. Kevin went to the show. Scott mm -hmm. Scott had such a good time. Sergeant Slaughter has had such a good time. He, he pulled a hernia. That's how good of a time he had. <laughs> oh, uh, it was, well, no, it, I, I went knowing something was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. uh, Physically, but, you know. And let yeah. me guess, Scott. Omega Danielson, man. I didn't care what was going to happen to my <laughs> organs, you know? Let, let me guess, Scott. You were in less pain at AEW. The doctor was like, look, I'm not going to prescribe you painkillers, but if you can continue to go to AEW shows, <laughs> you well, will picture be Picture okay. Omega and Danielson, like, icing themselves off in the back and me doing the same thing, but just to my balls and thinking we <laughs> we all did the same thing. Like we were all a part of it in the same amount of physicality. Robert, how are your balls doing? My balls are, are just fine. Uh, I didn't enjoy the show as much as you guys because no QT Marshall for the mm. Arthur Ashe crowd. So uh, I was a little disappointed no, that- Guys, I almost I almost pulled a, um, a real coup uh, because QT wanted to do the bonfire and I was trying to convince Dan to just say he could do the bonfire and then he just shows up at wrestle roasts but he, didn't he won't know <laughs> I, I i uh you know since we're uh, roasting um honky talk man today uh 
I, I'm sure he's like, hey, remember that uh, wrestling match that was at the black guy who died of AIDS stadium? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't place it. It's what uh, Magic Johnson, but worse. Uh, what happened? Uh, I think gay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I, did, I didn't know they played tennis. Well, let's uh, let's start with the bright side of the ring. Um, actually, let's get to some show business first. Uh, show roast coming up next week, guys. We're in our spooky season of roasts, and we start with uh, the vampire king himself, Gangrel, and then Darby <laughs> Allen, Abdullah the Butcher, Alexa Bliss, Kane, Scott Steiner. Mike, you want to rattle off the rest? Uh, yeah, I, I will. Um, let me see. I, I you, just, you gotta give me a sec. Cause I right, you want to just wait till next week. We'll make that the teaser. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for Gangrel. Basically, if instead of, <laughs> you uh, hear that honky, a lot, if yeah. instead of honky having fake hair, he had fake teeth. Uh, <laughs> that's who we're roasting. <laughs> well, we'll get to the other row. How about we'll get to the other uh, people we're roasting at the end of the episode, Michael, but it's something to look forward to guys at the end of this episode, Michael, Tell, tell you the rest of our uh, 2021 slots. Uh, as far as uh, if you're a $5 patron, we got Extreme Rules coming up this Sunday. We're going to have that review out on Monday. The roast of Alberto Del Rio is the following week. Halloween Havoc 1993. Then we got a week off. Then Wrestling Spookiest Stories, which uh, I still haven't really figured out what I'm going to do for that, but it will, it will be something. <laughs> Uh, the roast of Nick Gage. The starts tale of the boy with the hernia at Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> he had a hernia in Queens. <laughs> the roast of Nick Gage in November, then World War Three. Then we're going to be reviewing an MLW show that Robert helped put together. Then we're going to be doing for our Thanksgiving spectacular QT Marshall's The Wrestler. Uh, then we're off a week. Then we got the roast of Ryback. Uh, probably the TLC review or whatever the pay-per-view is at the time. Um, Jingle All the Way 2, which is with Santino and Larry the Cable Guy. Then we're off. Then we're right in the 2022, and that's going to be the WWE Day 1 review. It's a new pay-per-view they're breaking out. And the Roast of Anoki. So a lot of really cool shit coming up, um, guys. I'm going to read these roasters now. I, I found it. and Okay, and great. Also, I'm just imagining Scott yesterday holding his balls during Jungle Boy's entrance going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the balls back and forth, just swinging them back and forth with the music. I was balls haunted, Mike. spooky. Okay, so November 5th, I announced this last week, we have the roast of the master of math himself, Scott Steiner. Uh <laughs> The Braun Breaker's uncle, uh, for all you kids out there. November 12th, uh, someone on our Facebook page mentioned this when I said, what are some celebrities we could roast? I'm excited about this one. Cindy Lauper. Nice. Uh, Cindy Lauper. I'm a big yeah, guy. finally that bitch is going to get what she deserves. That's a really fun one. I'm sure Honky said uncomfortable things to her. Um, <laughs> November 19th. Uh, we are gonna shit in the bag of life. It's Randy Orton. Hey now, <laughs> grab the dick. Yes, November uh, 26th. Uh, we're gonna be doing uh, some of our, our Patreon roast replays and maybe maybe something a little bit new there. But that is Thanksgiving week, and uh, we have done a roast every week for a year, so <laughs> we're probably not gonna do full episode unless someone dies which will probably happen now that i said that okay 
Uh, December 3rd, the eighth wonder of the world, because the ninth one is China's dick, uh, Andre the Giant. We are, we are talking. It's actually what both. China called her dick. We will probably be uh, more honest than that documentary that was released. Uh, November 10th, uh, as a Christmas present to Scott, Minoru Suzuki. We are going to be doing Suzuki. Uh, <laughs> the 17th, the flair we can still talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and then for, for Christmas, uh, Mr. Santa Claus himself, Mick Foley. And then uh, December 30th, we will be doing our year-end awards. So that wow, is uh, a big, big show how we're ending the year. In October, man, we're, we're you know, like I said before, that, that those all start in November. And uh, for spooky season, we got Gangrel, Darby Allen, Abdullah the Butcher, which Zach Amigo will be part of, Alexa Bliss, and Scott Steiner. Also, if you're a member of the uh, five dollar something to sports entertainment with, uh, well, we just did Raw this week. I'm pretty sure we're going to do Raw. Next. Well, I don't know what we're doing next week. Actually, next week I have to do NXT, but either Robert's going to do NXT with me, or it's going to be Raw in NXT. Um, so check that out. Now let's if get you guys to- thought that o- Omega Danielson was a dream match, then you didn't see Big E versus Roman Reigns versus other guy. <laughs> it was a good match. It was uh it was very good. I loved it. I really I enjoyed Raw a whole lot this week. I mean, look, you're not gonna be better than the uh best wrestlers in the world and the best wrestling show in the world, but it was pretty good. Right, good, week, good week for wrestling. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, I like the I like the business up top. I like how they opened and closed. I wasn't really. No, I was a fan of like almost every, dude. Orton and AJ was really good on Raw. Orton and AJ was good, but me, you had to understand. Me and Robert watch that show every week, and so they have seen that before? Orton versus AJ. Like, yeah, we've seen it once week. or twice. Oh, this yeah. is the first time I've ever seen it. <laughs> yeah, where where were you during Nikki and Rhea versus Natalia and Tamina? <laughs> All right, guys, we have spent fourteen minutes not saying nice things about honky. They're, they're raw hipsters. <laughs> yeah, we got to get to the bright side of the ring. What do we like about honky? Tongue. I'm not going to say this is short, but it's going to be pretty short. Um, I I will say this, man, the greatest shoot interview of all time. I think he is, without a doubt, uh, the most fun. There was a period. I mean, his I know I know his he doesn't really do the fun shoots anymore, but it's, it's almost like that period that Austin was hot. You know, there was a five year period where honky tonks <laughs> shoots right. were like the best in the world. Uh, it greatest. feels longer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, both both were inspired by hating your boss and alcohol. <laughs> um, d- as far as like actual kayfabe accomplishments, WWF Hall of Fame, Intercontinental Championship, NWA Tag Team Champion. You know, I thought it was kind of a fun gimmick. They needed an Elvis impersonator and he did pretty good. And we've seen it done worse. We saw the flying Elvises in TNA, which were <laughs> unquestionably worse. So uh, I've said a couple nice things about the guy. Um, yeah, less of talk- an angle to flying Elvises. They're using the same name. He yeah, at least didn't yeah, say yeah, Elvis. Basically. You know, yeah. like there's yeah. Um, but but hey, look, I'm going to talk more about the shooting review for show and hell. We are going to be looking at some uh, hockey's greatest shoots. Uh, but who wants to start out? Some bright sides of the, okay. the, the hockey talk, man. I mean, you know, one of the defining uh, wrestlers of that that Hasbro era, as as people say. He's in the uh, first uh, WWF arcade game. 
he was one of uh i think the second series of hasbros i had him uh fucking awesome jackets and you know i mean he says it it's a character thing but i truly think he is one of the best intercontinental champions of all time um it was a great gimmick people fucking hated this guy he was an amazing heel like whatever we want to say about wayne ferris the person the character of honky tonk man and maybe the best end to a title reign ever that fu- that ultimate warrior moment at, at at SummerSlam 88 is one of the best things ever give me someone to wrestle i don't care who and then he fucking comes out and beats the shit out of honky and honky loses in 30 seconds it is an all-timer moment and it doesn't work without the heel that you hate i think there's so many guys that have tried to do this specific type of heel gimmick since I feel like the Miz is similar. There's other guys of just more annoying than anything. I, I think hockey was one of the better people at it. He wasn't great in the ring, but man, you wanted to see him get his ass kicked and uh, he wasn't good at kicking it back. And then also <laughs> Wayne Ferris himself um, in the uh, famous influential Tupelo concession stand match uh in the late 70s which kind of helped birth hardcore wrestling as we know it so that's pretty incredible um and yeah the the fucking shoots are entertaining he's one of those when we all started getting youtube we discovered him all individually (laughs) as this new (laughs) persona of a guy who did not give a shit um you know, amazing guy. I I have a personal story. I guess I'll I'll share in the show and hell segment. But yeah, man, when people are rattling off the names of uh, the wrestlers from this era, he's usually in that top ten. You know, you go Hogan, you go Savage, you go Andre, you go Warrior, and then when you start getting into your DBOCs, you know, Honky Tonk Man comes up in that that second tier. So I, I think he's a really important. What's that? Weren't there only like 15 guys signed to the company? <laughs> no, there's a lot, dude. Watch, watch those early. Dude, like I said, there's a Survivor series with 20 people in one match. There's a lot of fucking people back there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, you think of Honky Tonk before the Berserker. Yeah, or Outlaw Ron Bass or Sam Houston or yeah. Scott Casey or the Red Rooster. There's a lot of people. I mean, he's someone you just like remembers them, but nobody else will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like he's someone you actively remember and can picture, which sounds like faint praise, but that's not nothing from that. I mean, he's one of the if you think of wrestling and WWF in the 80s, like I don't think you're getting to 10 names before you get to honky tonk man for sure. And I think like he even though he never was good in the ring in any way, it was also in a time when people didn't really know who was good in the ring. They didn't care. Like. Yeah. He, what he did what he did do was he felt like you he couldn't be beaten so when ultimate warrior beat him it felt like something and also jesus christ did anyone get a better planned ride to the top than ultimate warrior he got this at intercontinental level and then he gets to beat hogan on the main stage i mean no one was more blessed than that lunatic uh and then you know then he died real fast but you know that's uh <laughs> i think he li- he lived that gimmick pretty hard <laughs> Everything Goldberg. about him was mediocre. <laughs> yeah, as much as I don't really like Goldberg, I think he's been the most blessed wrestler of all time, as far as like the push he's gotten, the money he's gotten, and yeah, the opportunity. God gotten. to love you after you kill his son is pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, Ro- Robert, say something nice about Hockey Talk, man. First of all, I like that Mike's first bright side was that he was willing to take licensing deals. 
Like, what a great guy. He was willing to get money for, you know, T-shirts and video games. Um, he's great in that he comes from a, a bygone era where this gimmick, 15 years later, he would eventually turn babyface. The crowd would have liked the shtick that he was doing. He would have been what Santino kind of became when they were trying to replicate this angle. And it felt more forced and less charming. Having gone back and, and we just watched WrestleMania 2, you saw how boring most of the wrestlers were at that time so this gimmick was something that would absolutely get a rise out of the crowd and he played it well he understood that vince wanted sports entertainment he had one of the best theme songs of all time i'm sure it was playing totally. in everybody's head while we were writing the you know the roast for this uh in his shoot interviews were basically he was just an unkempt bruce pritchard at the beginning of the something to <laughs> wrestle with era uh it's just he picks people he wants to attack he makes Chief J Strongbow a heel. He he got the idea. Dude, of, he attacks almost everybody. He attacks almost everybody because he knows you're going to pay him for it. And yeah. this was before there was an era where every wrestler went on podcasts and talked about it. He was smart enough to see where the business was going, just not smart enough to really make good money on it. But he he wrestled in a no, way. No, he was he, drunk enough to talk <laughs> just talk on a camera yeah, His i don't think he was so like good. this you know the wrestling business is going on the internet i think he's like five hundred dollars and a bottle of whiskey fuck yes i'll be there i like that you think he got paid five hundred dollars for that <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty that was a dave and buster's gift card at best uh, he also was a smart wrestler and the way that he wrestled he didn't have to take a lot of bumps that led to him being as broken down which is why he was still he's still wrestling on the independent scene he he was a, a really smart wrestler at the time and created a gimmick that could live. I mean, he, he made it in WWF. He was in WCW. He was in ring of honor for a short period of time. Like the dude has longevity and in this business with the same gimmick, that's not nothing. Uh, Robert, was he honky tonk man in WCW? I'm like, yes. wow. yeah, he was, he was honky tonk man. So that's his he was also in Lucha honest. underground. I didn't real. Yes. He was in Lucha underground. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> apparently he played a prison warden. <laughs> but it's important to say too that <laughs> he was JJ Dillon. He wasn't Honky Talk Man before WWE. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was a journeyman wrestler and all that, Memphis and everything. But he was one of those dudes that you know Vince gave a gimmick to, and he fucking made it work. And yeah. we still know him for that. I mean, and he's Lawler's cousin. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hogan put him over to um to be IC champion, but. Good promo. Scott, what do you uh, have to say positive about Honky Tonk Man before we the get to first run? time I ever saw Honky Tonk Man was at that Royal Rumble where he came out and he like talked shit to Kane and then Kane just hit him with his guitar and threw <laughs> that him That was out. great. Yeah, that was yeah. Awesome. That, the that, 2001? That's, yeah, that's the, the Drew Carey one. Carrey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Drew Carey Rumble. I, I actually had to look back at it to see if Drew Carey was in the ring with Honky Tonk because I, I kept picturing that for some reason. Um so that was my introduction to him. Then that Santino match. And then other than that, all I've ever heard was he was the longest reigning intercontinental champion. And that meant a lot because I knew at one time the intercontinental championship meant something. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was, you know, it was, oh, the title used to mean something. And you'd see like Shawn Michaels with a mullet and honky tonk man. And you'd go, oh, okay, he matters. And then you watch the matches and he is not very good at all in the ring. Um, we're almost, I don't, I don't even know if legally you can sign him as a wrestler. That's how like little <laughs> wrestling he does, but yeah, it's an entertaining character. I mean, Elvis is entertaining and to, 
to be like a cocky heel that kind of has this like Elvis talk. I mean, I wonder at the time, because I know Elvis impersonators happened before he even died, but what Elvis died in like 79. Right. And then he started doing this gimmick like a year, two years later or something. No, I think I was in like 77, 78. And then he doesn't happen until like 86. Okay. 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 Oh, Still wow. relatively close for such a thing. I mean, it's like it's just a weird to, thing. Like right. you're like, uh, but I guess there are enough Elvis impersonators that Elvis in, like no one goes. He's impersonating Elvis. He's impersonating an Elvis impersonator. Well, the thing, <laughs> right. yeah, it's a Xerox of a thing. Xerox. Yeah. yeah, he's doing that. He's not even doing Elvis. Yeah, right. But the character was that like Elvis stole everything from him. He wrote all the songs, and then and then it was also. He came in as a baby face. The honky tonk man was supposed to be a good guy and people just shat all over him. <laughs> yeah, sort of like, <laughs> yeah. New Day-esque in that way where it's like it shows up in a way that's supposed to be good and people are like, no, this sucks real hard. And it is, you think of like, if you're being introduced as an Elvis, who is one of the most popular people of all time, it makes sense that you think that's a good guy thing, but people hate that shit. They, they absolutely yeah. hate it when you're not that. Dude, I would love like a Jack Nicholson impersonator wrestler. <laughs> WWE should just start doing that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, before we start putting dirt on the grave, anything positive you want to say about Honky Tonk? I mean, besides the, the the things I said before about just that you like, you know, he's a guy that you actively remember. He's on not the Mount Rushmore, but if there were two Mount Rushmores of the 80s WWF, he's probably mm, there. In terms of, I don't know. I'm he's like a good. guy who like visits the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, like uh... paid his, he paid his entrance fee and he's, yeah, there, yeah. he's yeah. taking a photo. He knows where and... to camp near Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Yeah, he's, got survive it. he's got something juicy to say about every one of those fucking four. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell he's you why Teddy Roosevelt out. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got dirt on that guy. He'll make it up if he doesn't have it. But I think I, I've, and also, seen Link, I've seen Lincoln's dick. <laughs> it's weak. Honky, why are you bragging about seeing dicks all the time? Why? Did you, know, did you guys know the dick also has its own top hat? Dude, he would have been a great ECW promo if he was around at the time, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, he can't wrestle, so he would have been a great ECW champion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, like, the fact that he was he was what a shoot interview was before we knew what that was is, is amazing. You know, it, it's great, because it's like, it was one of the early nuggets of finding things on YouTube where it's like, you're not going to believe this shit, Honky Tonk Man is being himself <laughs> it's it's it's, it's like think, what you would think but worse and that's beautiful and i think the last bright side we have to say he gave us jet black dyed hair greg valentine <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's one of the greatest fucking visuals rhythm and blues with uh was it ddp driving him out in that pink cadillac it, it's it's the same hair dye that rudy giuliani used at that four seasons <laughs> stop the steel rally <laughs> He's so fucking miserable <laughs> yeah man it's it's pretty wild and i've uh, you know i've seen i've seen them on the circuit so they're still they're still they're still doing it all right let's get to the roast of the hockey talk man uh mike is gonna determine the order but kevin 
Yes. Offered to step up for us. So uh, go go for it, buddy. Hey, I'm the new guy. I'm happy to jerk the curtain. Let's uh, let's yeah. talk about it. Honky Tonk Man, you know, he's been called the greatest intercontinental, uh, intercontinental champion ever by anyone who hasn't heard of Mr. Perfect, Razor Ramon, Ricky Steamboat, the Godfather, Val Venus, the Mountie, <laughs> and the fake escaped Argentinian Nazi that Pat Patterson beat in Rio. Uh, <laughs> so if you haven't heard of them, I think that checks out. <laughs> uh the honky tonk man is so racist that he won't let his own hair in the house i don't know if you guys knew <laughs> that that's that's one of his house rules uh his, his character is based on elvis one hour after he died on the toilet and <laughs> if you've seen him in the ring you know honky tonk's character answers the question what if elvis was more dead <laughs> Uh, Honky Tonk Man's reign as Intercontinental Champ, we all know this, this is the thing he's most known for. It was uh, 454 days, or roughly the same age as one of Jerry Lawler's dates. So, <laughs> his real life cousin, by the way, Jerry Lawler, his cousin, uh, his cousin dates sophomores and ruined Monday Night Raw by having a heart attack. And somehow, the Honky Tonk Man is the embarrassing member of the family. That. <laughs> is a legendary thing uh and he uh, uh, one of his best one of his uh one of, the, one of his best qualities i think is that he's jerry lawler's cousin and the only cousin that jerry hasn't hit on because he's too old obviously <laughs> uh honky tonk man's real name is wayne ferris which is somehow whiter than a name that has the literal word honky in it <laughs> <laughs> And Honky Tonk Man won the, uh, this, uh, this is a great moment in his career. He won the Stampede Tag Team Championship once with the Cuban Assassin as his partner. And we do wish, we tried, uh, we wish the Cuban Assassin could have been here, but Honky reported him to ICE. So, <laughs> uh, of course, we all remember where we were when Honky won the Stampede Tag Team Championship. That's the end of the joke. Uh, <laughs> Now, Jake the Snake, I don't know if you guys know this, but he blames a non-gimmicked guitar shot from Honky Tonk for his drug problem. Jake, one of the greatest drug problems of all time. Uh, that is why Honky Tonk belongs in the Hall of Fame. He ungimmicked a guitar <laughs> so hard that it was more traumatic than his dad being a rapist. And somehow, <laughs> it's like Ben Franklin with the key and the kite. Honky's guitar shot is basically the coach that cut Michael Jordan from varsity. That's how good this guitar shot was at causing drama. <laughs> Uh, Honky said that Harley Race is the greatest wrestler of all time, which is amazing. Daniel Bryan had the Yes Movement. Hulk Hogan had the Hulkamaniacs. And the people who like Harley Race the most are called racists. Uh, so uh, his, his previous name before Honky Tonk, Mike talked about this earlier, that before he was Honky Tonk Man, uh, he, he had other names. And he was Honky Tonk Wayne first. It's amazing that didn't catch on. But Honky Tonk Wayne just sounds like the number one suspect in the disappearance of a local pretty young bartender, I think. <laughs> and finally, uh, he appeared, This is, we all know about his wrestling career, but I think in larger media, not a lot of people know this, he, Honky Tonk Man, appeared on the highest rated episode of Judge Janine Pirro's show. And if you Google 
Honky Tonk Man and Judge Janine Pirro. The next thing that autofills on Google is why can't a white guy say the N-word? Uh, <laughs> and if you keep going, it just says January 6th alibi. So you can do any of that. Oh, man. Kevin McCaffrey, everybody. That was fucking awesome, dude. All right, I'll go next. Uh, really uh, brought it, Kevin. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's today we are roasting White Virgil. I mean, Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> if he was over. Uh, I mean, the honky-tonk man. <laughs> and has made a 25 year career out of talking about the same fucking year and a half. Ooh, this time he's going to tell us what King Kong Bundy is really, really like. <laughs> <laughs> Pay him in peanuts and booze, and he'll give you three hours on rhythm and blues. Uh, <laughs> what a great businessman. The guy waited till he was done wrestling to cut good promos. <laughs> this dude was on the road 300 days a year but somehow he spends more nights drunk and rambling in hotel rooms now uh, he's always the smartest guy in the room because the other guy is usually Hannibal from the HannibalTV.com <laughs> the honky tonk man has made fun of Bret Hart for having a stroke often but the only time he's ever actually hurt Bret's feelings is when he calls himself the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. <laughs> Come on, Hockey. You know that's not true. You didn't get 20 minutes out of the pirate. Um, man is so talented, he is able to burn endless bridges without his greasy hair catching fire. Vince introduced him as a goofy baby face. People booed him hard, and he was switched to a heel. He didn't even have him as a baby face in a bunch of failed WrestleMania events first. Just suddenly turned him heel because people didn't like him. Imagine that. <laughs> We've covered bullies, murderers, and people who do all sorts of awful stuff that Tommy Dreamer finds hilarious. And yet, we've never covered someone as evil as the honky tonk man who is fundamentally against tipping waitresses. <laughs> like maybe you made bad choices in life if you think. Hey, them Waffle House waitresses is out to get me. <laughs> he doesn't believe in tipping or making enough money most years to afford to be able to tip. Like, I do think he should tip, but at the same time, he busted his ass for that $15 check sitting in between the Iron Sheik and New Jack. <laughs> out of those three, it's amazing that New Jack died first and that they all didn't die in some cocaine-filled orgy at the same time. <laughs> Honky Tonk Man. The only way he's really like Elvis is because he will also die on a toilet. Uh, he impersonated Elvis while his cousin Jerry Lawler impersonated Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> Finally, uh, Jake the Snake blames Honky Tonk Man for hitting him with a guitar and being the cause of his addiction to drugs, to which Grizzly Smith said, come on, son, I deserve at least some of the credit. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's go with uh scott oh, all right honky tonk man uh him shooting on jerry lawler in interviews is just another example of people from the south fucking their cousins <laughs> <laughs> him wrestling was like him playing guitar he couldn't <laughs> <laughs> he's johnny can i borrow some cash he, he looks like if the song Love Me Tender was about chicken tenders. <laughs> it's like he lived his whole life thinking Elvis was singing You Ain't Nothing But a Hot Dog. 
Jailhouse Rock was when he'd sneak crack into Brian Christopher's cell. (laughs) 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 I don't know about the Heartbreak Hotel, but it sure are heartbreak in a motel. (laughs) He carried a guitar and whoever he wrestled carried him. (laughs) Honky, it's not just his name, but also his excuse for saying slurs. Mm-hmm. Well, people call me honky and I'm never bothered by it. Why can't I say something <laughs> back? <laughs> the difference between the king of rock and roll and honky is Elvis died on a toilet and honky lives <laughs> on a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> people want to be married by an Elvis impersonator, but divorced from the honky tonk man. Uh, and finally, he was the longest reigning intercontinental champion. Proof that they've always had bad creative. all right robert honky tonk man was a smart wrestler who knew that bumps should only be taken in a bathroom stall with jake roberts Mm -hmm. everybody loves a honky tonk man shoot he's so good with his mouth it's amazing pat patterson didn't push him more (laughs) he started his career as dynamite wayne ferris which is enough to make him Scott's favorite wrestler. (laughs) Honky was part of the infamous Tupelo concession stand brawl because nothing makes you a heel in Mississippi like getting between wrestling fans and fried food. (laughs) Honky Tonk Man popularized hitting someone with a guitar. He has smashed more wood than Missy Hyatt. Honky Tonk Man defeated Ricky Steamboat for the Intercontinental title. In case any of you think Vince McMahon prioritizing sports entertainment over wrestling was a recent phenomenon. Honky attributed his title win to Hogan vouching for him, in case you needed another reason to hate Hulk Hogan. During his feud with Savage, Honky shoved Liz, which pissed off Randy as he didn't like someone stealing his gimmick. (laughs) Honky Tonk Man, of course, lost his Intercontinental title to the Ultimate Warrior in 31 seconds. But sadly, unlike Triple H, this never gave him a chance to fuck Stephanie. Hey, what did I say about gimmick infringement? Uh, Here's my Scott joke of the week. Honky Tonk Man teamed with Greg Valentine to form a tag team. Rhythm and blues, more like rhythm and snooze. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, honky tonk man is what would have happened if jerry lawler like carl's jr instead of jeweler junior high schoolers (laughs) (laughs) and finally my favorite thing about honky is that he said he did steroids steroids the only way he was doing steroids is if he thinks honey baked ham or steroids (laughs) if honky tonk man got that physique doing steroids then i'm fucking scott steiner Oh my god. Oh god. Did we all just imagine Robert and Chainmail? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Saving that for the uh, Steiner roast. Well, that's how I get in the mood, folks. Right. <laughs> Hoggy Tonk is my favorite Elvis and wrestler impersonator. <laughs> he looks like what would happen if Brutus the Barber Beefcake's body washed up on the beach. <laughs> His wrestling style was seconds at Ponderosa. <laughs> He looks like Vaseline feels. (laughs) Hulk Hogan put him over to win the IC title, proving he has the same taste in wrestlers as he does in DJs who let him fuck their wife. (laughs) My Norm MacDonald joke. He dresses like SpongeBob's pimp. (laughs) He 
inducted Coco Beware into the Hall of Fame as part of the How Did They Get In wing. <laughs> rhythm and blues. What's the rhythm part? When Honky shakes Valentine awake at StarCast? <laughs> he feuded with the Cuban assassin, which is one of the places Linda's super PAC money goes. <laughs> Uh, shake, rattle, and roll is both hockey's finisher and what he'll do in his final moments. <laughs> Give him credit. Whether it's wrestling steamboat or a Waffle House waitress, hockey's given 8%. <laughs> Jake blames his pill addiction on hockey talk, man. Sure, it's the Elvis impersonator. <laughs> Not the fact that your dad raped your sister, your mom killed herself, and your other sister was murdered, and the only way you can come is by smelling the scarves of the Salvation Army. <laughs> if it wasn't for that damn Rick Martel, I wouldn't have used that baptismal romper as a fuck diaper. <laughs> Current hockey talk looks like Santa before getting me too by his elves. <laughs> There's a movie called Honky Tonk Man starring Clint Eastwood, which is fitting because both Clint and Honky are used to talking to empty chairs. <laughs> and finally, Honky's the Shawn Michaels of guys who get paid $200 to shit on Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> that was a roast of Honky Tonk Man. That was a fun one. Kevin, that was great. Thank you, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me. Happy, happy to shit on Honky Tonk Man anytime you need it, really. Well, we we we've talked a little bit, but uh, for show and hell, I did find a, a best of honky tonk shoot. Some guy put it up. It was like uh, I forget his name now, but thank you, whoever that was, uh, because <laughs> I didn't want to watch. The other options were like either they were all like three minute clips, or they were clips that were like five hours or three hours. Yeah, it's like you know, like nine hours of rain to go to sleep. They have that. <laughs> 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 oh my god it's true yeah i, I think it's i saw a six hour one i saw a six hour honky tonk like shoot compilation yeah. <laughs> just going Crazy. to sleep to a guy being like bret yeah. hart can't get hard just <laughs> over and over I, mean, I feel like like once you watch like a six hour shoot of him you are his wife you're just like go to bed why <laughs> can you go get some more jim and dean well, Dan is, just walked. Uh, I, so I want to share my my honky tonk story really quick. Yeah. Oh yeah, please. Because um, so you know when we were doing the the, the Savage documentary, um, there was like a list of, of people that we could pick to interview, and one of them was Honky, and you know, and I was talking to the director, and he would ask me like my insight, like, oh, who would be great? And I'm like, man, you're not gonna get anyone like fucking Honky. He's gonna say the most crazy shit. <laughs> And I was like, he, he was like my first pick. I'm like, oh man, they're, they're offering hockey. You got to go with him. And then we, we did the interview and it was like the day before he was in the hall of fame. So he was on his best fucking behavior. Right. It was, yeah. so, it was so disappointing. It was like that, that, that Looney Tunes with the dude standing next to the frog and you're just wanting it to sing. Hello, my baby. And it doesn't do anything. And they're like, this is the guy. I'm like, he's great. He's going to call someone a whore. Just wait. You caught him on the only happy day of his life. Basically. It was like, what, what was Randy like? He was nice. I was with Elizabeth. They seem to enjoy each other. Like, no! <laughs> You're bombing. Quit. Someone, <laughs> someone so go to a liquor store. Uh, 
Uh, Dude, God bless those it, legends it, contracts. It's, it it really is like anymore. Steve Austin's <laughs> yes. promos, Sean Reich, Michael's work rate, or honky tonk shoot interviews. I don't know. Like anybody here who still drinks um, <laughs> and you're feeling bad, you got something to do on a Thursday night. And most likely if you're a fan of the show, you've already listened to this. But <laughs> if you haven't, so the three people who are fans of their shows who have not listened to honky tonk man shoot interviews, who still drink, Get a nice big beer, crack it open, and just watch hours of of him just like <laughs> just saying. You get shit. Drunk enough, your emotions match his exactly. There's like, <laughs> yeah. like a Pink Floyd Wizard of Oz thing going on. <laughs> yeah, you just start agreeing. You start how, saying the words together. How, how great was it when he, he's just like, "I lost my smile." Well, I guess you weren't bending over in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's so amazing the because he opens with Brett as as I often do, and it's so fucking funny when he's like. He said that I was too soft. Well, then you worked with Goldberg and he kicked you in the fucking head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Rob, and that's the time when work? I'm like on his side. I'm like, this make this is actually this makes logical sense from Honky Tonk Man. If it wasn't for him, he's like the Ken Burns of wrestling. Like now I know mean Gene Okerlund smoked weed, but Howard <laughs> Finkel didn't. Like that made the entire shoot interview worth it um the fact that he spends all that time shitting on the hall of fame knowing that he winds up in the hall of fame is how not plugged into the world vince mcmahon is like when people are sitting like do you think he's freaking out about aew he has no idea what's going on unless it's right in front of his face so he has no clue that honky tonk man buries everybody for money and then well we'll put him in the hall of fame because we want to sell action figures and that's pretty much not to not to, you know, I know the Hall of Fame is super important and respectful, but it's all about getting someone on a Legends contract so you can put them in a video game, put them on a T-shirt, make an action figure of them and not have to pay them anything extra. They get paid, you know, I think it's like a $250,000 contract. They keep a list of them. So if there's guys you need to wheel out for special events, you can drag them out there. And otherwise, they're not allowed to say shit about the WWE or else you can invalidate the contract and go after them. And most of these guys will now keep their mouths shut. So Honky Tonk Man did everything he needed to basically <laughs> warrant hush money. So God bless you, Honky Tonk Man. Hell of a... Uh... Say I, I got the Honky Tonk Man action figure. Of course. It's, it's the only time I complained there was too much articulation. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the legs and arms move. Come on. Uh, have, yes. you, have you guys seen him recently? He looks fucking awesome now. Because oh, he finally... Stuff. He finally decided to like stop dyeing his hair and, and grow a beard out. I mean, he's like the most Kentucky looking motherfucker now. Oh, I haven't I seen him. him do shoot interviews now. He looks great, man. He's got like a full white beard, like flowing long white hair. It, he look he looks cool. Hell yeah. He went from Elvis <laughs> to Kenny Rogers pretty quickly. It's pretty great. <laughs> well, a big issue with him was like the the was like the jaw area, you know, and like whatever was going on around his neck. Uh, but the beard, he, he looked, yeah, he looks like a stud. Because I, I can tell you too, when I was in, when I like, like we interviewed him and Jimmy Hart in the in the same day separately, and it's like when you see like dudes that age who are like their late sixties, early seventies, and they dye their hair, you just notice how much older the fucking face looks. 
it's like oh yeah it doesn't it there, there it, it's a sharp border between <laughs> between ages it's a real north korea south korea situation <laughs> with, between the hair and the face i mean that's funny because honky Tonk man does have the same haircut as kim Kong. <laughs> he does and he had the before he got hot bod for you know for a while <laughs> well folks that's our uh that's our respective on the great honky tonk man um we're gonna get into dynamite or dud we're also gonna be talking rampage which you know so we'll, we'll there'll be a break before we talk rampage so we can say spoilers but uh robert's gonna take over dynamite since uh me and scotty and kevin and zach were all there so uh we we i have seen most of dynamite on tv um i, I just saw the youtube clips essentially but um I uh, I have I was not I wasn't there watching it you know from home so it'll be interesting to see Robert's reaction versus versus ours uh, Robert take it away all right so rather than do what we've been doing the last couple of weeks of hour by hour this was basically a pay per view so I think going segment by segment because I'm really curious what the the in person thing was like and before we even get to segment by segment I just want to ask you guys who were physically there because we talked about this before. On TV, the atmosphere seemed completely out of control. It was just a nonstop party for two hours. Was that your your take on it? I'll start with you, Dan. It was the greatest wrestling um, audience that I've ever I've ever seen in my life. And I was at AEW's Double or Nothing. I was at you know the Royal Rumble, uh, the the Rock one. I was at you know I've been to a couple of WrestleManias. I've seen AJ and. Cena, I went to G1 Long Beach. You know, I've, I've seen all these different wrestling events from different companies. He was at WrestleMania 11. He saw, <laughs> he saw the Allied Powers versus the Blue Brothers. Yeah, exactly. He, you might guess And it. he never stops talking about it. The, the, no, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine, a, dude, imagine like a power team, Rhythm and Blue Brothers, Jacob Blue oh, and Greg God. the Hammer Valentine. That is, that is too much white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> and now, we rarely yeah. say that. Now, Scott, how did this compare to you were at the Prudential show before? Was, was this atmosphere? I mean, it, it felt different than that. Yeah, it was very different. Uh, last week, we kind of, you know, we were just AEW fans at a show. And so we responded accordingly. I mean, everybody typically at a show reacts the way they're supposed to and pretty well. I know we, we kind of did better than a lot of other crowds in like the MJF promo. We like kind of, you know, we flipped on mm -hmm. and we told them to shut the fuck up. But also that's just kind of expected. That's just a show in like in this area. And that's just the truth of it. Like you're going to get those chance. It's no a heel market, baby. It was a really good show. Um, but this was, they handed us a great show and if we were great for last week's show, we, I mean, we fucking, yeah, we just, we snapped on them. We went nuts. Uh, from dark on, like, Dan, what time did you get there? I got there right during the big, right before Big Show came out. Okay, so you missed the Dark Order uh, match. The, the I missed dark the Dark Order, Order match, but I saw it because I was coming in and I saw people were crazy. Going ape shit, dude. At the end of the match. It was okay. It was like a fine match from what that, I saw. And the claws, the claw yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. People were going bonkers. Uh, dude, Thunder Rosa, when oh, she man. came out, got a huge, huge opening pop. Like when just Thunder Rosa was, I think, the first out of anybody, right? That, that Yeah, that yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think, like, I knew shit was going to get crazy because they had Eddie doing commentary for Dark. Uh, 
but we, you know, they didn't let his music play. He just, we noticed him in the corner and people started chanting Eddie so loudly. And the way the arena, like I got to watch it on television because I don't know how it sounded because it just bounced off of everywhere. Like the way this place is set up, it was like an echo chamber. Like, yeah, it reminds like me we, of we couldn't, we couldn't match mm-hmm. the cheers because by the time they got to us, it was like on a delay. Mm-hmm. And so all of our cheers were like scrambled. So if, if cheers weren't made out and it just sounded like chaos, uh, it's because there was like a delay amongst the entire crowd. And I feel like every section were chanting their own things because we were all so rabid. So we didn't have time to, to, have like group thought and go, Oh, what, what are the people in the, in the lower tier saying? And what are the people in the top tier saying? It was like, what are the people in my, my row saying? Because <laughs> yeah, it was really local because yeah. that's all I can hear. It was very local. Like well, everybody we were with w- was flipping out. Yeah. And it was like, I, I, it's not a knock on the place where I think it was an incredible venue. The sight lines amazing. were amazing from everywhere and it was really comfortable for a wrestling venue. And I was just at all out uh, a few weeks ago in the Chicago area and all in. And it was just like a super comfortable place to, to watch a wrestling show, which is not very rock and roll to say, but the only, the only thing, like it was hard to hear promos. I think at least where I was yeah, like the, the, the promo was a little hard. Yeah. The audio was a little but weird the in that. Cheers way, for yeah. the matches. I thought came off better to me. Like, yeah. why do you say that? Cause now the, now the punk promo, which we'll get to makes a lot more sense. The crab reaction. Uh, Zach, uh, did you did you use the uh, the restroom at Arthur Ashe and how was it washing your hands there? Uh, the soap dispensers were broken, so this was the worst oh. experience of my life. Wow! So, so you all have COVID now. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll start with the first match, the most important match: Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega. Uh, Mike, since you watched this on TV, uh, what uh, what did you think of this? This was fucking awesome. I mean, yeah, I watched it on TV. I thought that. The announcing was incredible for this. You know, uh, they didn't, you know, they announced it last week as a match that'll be happening, you know, but they all three of them said dream match at the beginning, but they didn't, they only said it up top. And then once the match started, they just started calling the match. I mean, this was everything you'd want. They didn't hit you over the head with the time limit they didn't keep saying it and and i don't know i didn't notice it within the arena but i don't think they kept announcing it either right they didn't no they announced it they announced it but they didn't mic it uh, Mike. Yeah. so so what like, i'm saying is like was it like five minutes remaining 10 minutes remaining well yeah well they did do five and i believe they did do 10 uh okay. you know before that it was like 20 or whatever and yeah because yeah, it, it it felt subtle at least on tv and it, and it worked i mean i thought in terms of booking this this was perfect yeah you know like you know look there's 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 minor nitpicks and stuff with AEW, but they get the big shit right i mean i don't think cm punk's return could have been any better and i don't think mm-hmm. this could have been any better i thought it was brilliant to open with it so that you have as much time. There was one commercial, and the commercial was like two minutes. With Mike, most I have a quick... question. Do yeah. you know what happened during the commercial? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. It's when uh, Brian was outside the ring, selling oh, for the most part, and they were doing the, they were doing a 10-count for him. Yeah. And Omega uh, okay. was drinking the water. That, that was crazy in the arena. I almost wish everybody saw it not in picture-in-picture picture because – that was a moment like a lot of, well, we'll get to it, but there's a lot the of whole cool thing moments. felt like an electric yeah. church revival, you know, it was, yeah. And it, and it, you know, it, and it stood out 
on TV, it felt, I, I thought that this was like, you know, we, we often say like Jim Ross is still like the best big match caller there is. He was fucking on game last night. And then, and then when it ended and, uh, Brian got kicked. He got in the face. He got so fucked. These bastards. These goddamn bastards. <laughs> it was awesome. And 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 the fact that like because I rewatched it again today, and that they they avoided a lot of the cliche shit. I love that. Even when um, Brian got Kenny in the LaBelle lock after the bell rang. They didn't do this shit they always do where he's tapping. He didn't tap like, and and right. there wasn't a lot of interference. And uh, in the when match. the when the Bucks came to him, he was like Kenny was still kicking, like he was still in yeah. a fight, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it felt like I mean, if they do the thing of simmering, I, I know that that Kenny tweeted that like there's not going to be a rematch. If they wait until the pay per view, which isn't that far off, was like November 13th or something. It's fucking awesome. I mean, the fact that these guys went 30, you didn't see it all. You were left wanting more. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a five-star match guy, or I don't say that a lot. This was, to me, a perfect five-star match. Scott, how did I know that this was your fucking Christmas. This is what gave you the hernia. Uh, how, uh, how much did you love it? Well, I was thrilled it went on first because I knew I couldn't cheer as much as I wanted to. Uh, but then I found mm-hmm. out it was first and I said, fuck it, let's go hard now. And then you could rest, you know, the other three and a half hours you're going to be here. And when uh, Cody comes out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> man. We, yeah, we went ape shit. Uh, Brian looked all like just all of it because visually it looked cool. Like you, you have to acknowledge that too. They're both of their gear looked amazing, like mm-hmm. flawless, like historic, like, Oh, <clears throat> these guys are in, in in gear you i don't know it was just everything about it like uh the, the way we were all cheering once the bell rang and they that were was the craziest cheer of the night when the Absolutely. bell rang. yeah uh, and brian was just smiling and the, well that was great omega too, was like i don't give yeah. a shit you know yeah, that was that's shit. what i love oh. they, did, they didn't do the hogan rock thing where they both stared like yeah. brian brian did it where he stared yep. Um, but uh, but Kenny didn't. He kept in character. Kenny said, "I don't give a shit," and that plays off to Brian saying, "This was the most important match in his career," and Kenny saying, "This is just another Wednesday," uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was fucking awesome. Uh, Who? Yeah, man, it was just pandemonium the entire time. I thought it built beautifully. Uh, the the running V trigger is maybe my favorite moment of the year <laughs> like it <laughs> yeah. beats punk returning from it just looks <laughs> so damn cool to me and it was it was everything i loved about it that's like so the g1 is now too and oh, Kenny was, God, here we go. okay maybe not matches <laughs> like this because because with this there's like a moment where it's like this is AEW, this is in queens this is brian's first match outside of w. you have all of that that ma- it does matter and it is important but in the g1 i mean these were Omega's matches, like in every G1 he did, and it was you were getting three of them a week every summer. I do think uh, this match had some like, competition you know, for, this week. Wait, I what do, did you say? I we'll think this it. match did have some competition this week with Abushi and Ishii and uh and Yeah, G1. man. I mean, yeah, that's what the, yeah. So the, those well, are the two matches I thought this week they were out of control. Um Kevin, talk oh, about non-New yeah, Japan yeah. matches like this Danielson Omega match. Dude, it felt like magic. We're like drifting in traffic here. We suddenly started talking about New Japan. Uh, the way it ended, I thought, was perfect. Uh, 
the fact that it started the show, of course, this whole time we thought it was going to close the show and we were worried about, how, oh no, they're going to rush it. And then you realize, no, they always put a title in the main event. Uh, mm-hmm. So it only makes sense for this to go first. It just made sense. It, it was just, to me, this was like a perfect match. I felt like I was uh, at a very important WrestleMania. Yeah, in this I think- match, in this match. Right. I felt like I was watching The Rock versus Hogan, even though it was. I saw a guy online say, like, if The Rock and Hogan got the pop they did because they were the like giant superstars they were, Brian and Kenny got the pop they did for the amazing wrestlers they are. Like, it's that moment where you guys aren't even wrestling, but thank you so much for all of this and what you're about to give us. And, and, and I think it was and watching- that, it is like The Rock and, and, and Hogan. Yeah, and watching them be, you could just feel how excited they were to be there too, which I think really takes it up a level where it's like, yeah, we know we're we're here. We came here on purpose. We've been excited to be here. But I think it's relatively rare when you see, you know, the artists in whatever case it is, be matching your excitement about being there. And I think both of them, especially, and I, I think of, and I, I haven't seen it televised yet, but Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson's face, like at the beginning, which they put up, uh, you know, they put it up, on the on the big scoreboard watching that i think gave everyone like chills and had people like pogoing up and down ready ready to go and in terms of just it opening the night i think you know scott said basically everything almost everything that needs to be said i think but like as far as this kind of event opening the night it's a shock but also i think it was the perfect thing to do with the energy in the stadium was like it it was ready to pop anyway so obviously whatever we didn't peak with in the big shows one on three match. Uh, if, we, if you can heighten from that, we tried to. And, and yeah, but right, we snapped on that match. Everyone went nuts for the big show. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like you it, put it, it, it felt like <laughs> you guys were going to go nuts for everything that there was. I will say, sure. opening with this match made a lot of sense because mm-hmm. if there's one thing that AEW has proven they are not good at, is timing a two hour television show. And if this was going <laughs> to be yeah. a 30 minute draw, which right. I kind of assumed that was what it was going into it. I talked to a couple of people who were like, it's probably just going to be a draw, which is perfect. It's absolutely brilliant booking. If this was at 930, it was going to be clear what the finish was going to be. The audience took yeah. the ride here and that was awesome. And, and you know- hearing the crowd chant for cheer for everything and cheer appropriately when you guys were, you were booing uh, Omega as opposed to making it like, oh, we're going to cheer Omega because we love Omega. It was like, right. no, fuck this guy. Even when he wanted the Terminator clap, the audience didn't give it to him, and that was fantastic. That was the crowd knowing what their role was. The ramp that they put together for this from a production standpoint, holy shit, did that look amazing on television. That is innovative and something we haven't seen before. Absolute home run. The one thing that was slightly uncomfortable, and I think this comes from watching it on TV as opposed to being in the stadium, is the number of times Brian did land on his head made it a little bit of cringe. Now, there was one moment where they did the avalanche uh, suplex off the top where they made a point of showing that he rotated his body so he landed on his stomach and not on his neck, and they kept trying to highlight that. But there were a couple other times where it's like, geez, like I, I, I'm happy to have you back. I don't want you to leave already. Right. Uh, but it was clear he was happy. And then the crowd clearly saving their energy to see Christian, the the real star <laughs> of, this, uh, of this match. Next also, up, oh. oh no! I was gonna say, how cool to end the match with them punching the shit out of each other, as opposed to 
you know, a typical draw where it would be like, oh no, the guy, the guy had it won, but time ran out. He's about to tap or got to a two count or whatever. He just did his finisher and was covering him. It was like, no, these guys were so evenly matched. I mean, that moment where it cut to commercial, Omega, you know, he was getting counted out and Omega went out of the ring to bring him back. Omega had him beat. You know, there was all these moments where like, Brian had him beat. It, it was just so mm-hmm. evenly, perfectly matched. I, I honestly didn't. I didn't think they were going to go to a commercial at all during it because it went mm. a solid twenty minutes before they went to one. And I oh, will wow. say this, which makes me feel like I'm being held hostage. I swear I'm not. Excalibur was fantastic on commentary I during this match oh, yeah. because this was this was the defining match that shows there is a chasm between what WWE is as entertainment and what AEW is as entertainment. WWE would not have told the story AEW was telling here where they were not only drilling in on that Brian's going to go for the LaBelle lock, who Gene LaBelle is, who trained Gene LaBelle, why this is an important move in wrestling. They they didn't do a lot of the WWE Michael Cole sports entertainment storyline. This was just the three commentators telling the story of a wrestling match as if this was completely real and as if you were there. And it it worked. And it worked really well. And I'm glad that Danielson got the opportunity to have a match like this that he wasn't going to get in uh, in WWE, unfortunately. And, uh, and and it's important to remember, he could not beat Kenny in 30 minutes. And Christian got it done in 17. With a chair, he cheated. <laughs> Everybody Mr. knows. Friday. Oh, <laughs> Christian, Christian's the best. Cheated. We all know it. CM Punk also, Christ- comes yeah, to Christian's back. better than Danielson. What if that's the story they go with? Well, <laughs> that's what All right. I, I'm trying to – I'm going to be the Dan. Oh, yeah, but – Dan here, and I'm going to start yelling at people like a substitute teacher because uh, we're moving yeah, go, forward. Go. Sure. Uh, CM Punk <laughs> is next. He talks about how, uh, you know, pro wrestling is back in New York City. And that we're going to see pissed off CM Punk again at some point in time. And that pro wrestling is mine once again. It was kind of a meandering promo. But when you guys said that the crowd couldn't really hear everything, you guys saved a lot of it because there was just a lot of really raucous CM Punk chants at points where Punk seemed like he was kind of going off the rails. Uh, Dan, what did you think of this promo live? You know, uh, well, funny story. I was in the uh, concession, so I only... (laughs) Uh, getting uh, getting a hot dog, but uh, I did see it today, and I thought it was very good. And the you know, do I think it's one of Punk's greatest promos? Absolutely not. But my my whole thing with Punk is he's always you know like the reason that his promos are so great uh, is that he's always addressing the reality of the situation, and the reality of the situation right now is that CM Punk is going to get cheered for a very long time, uh, and he actually enjoys this shit. And eventually that's going to change. Like the, a guy with a personality like that is not, is not going to love wrestling forever or love his coworkers forever. And at some point they'll probably turn him heel in a year or something like that when they need him to be heel. Uh, but right now I'm fine with this promo. I, I, I kind of like this promo. Now, Kevin, if they cut to you during his entrance, would you have been crying? Not crying, which I know as a as a Chicago native myself is is, is a little blasphemous, but uh, but we were enjoying it a lot. My wife, who has been in, she's been aware of CM Punk for so long. Like CM Punk got us back into wrestling around pipe bomb time. Uh, like she realized, like she'd never seen him live. 
So it was very electric for her as well. And for me, and I think like Dan said, like an important thing here is that CM Punk calls out what is happening in a way that a lot of other wrestlers don't. And it is weird that he's this happy and he almost does have to explain it in a way that like, so we don't think it's fake, you know? And I think he did that in a good way where he's like, why wouldn't I be happy? Everybody loves me and it's good to be loved. Like that makes a lot of sense. So I thought that was good and everyone was loving it, you know? And I think also we're still in a point where even the most cynical wrestling fan is rooting for CM Punk and doing whatever he's doing right now. So that I think tells you about like, oh, did he pause? Does he seem lost for a second? Guess what? You're getting a CM Punk champ. Mike, well, what'd you what think of this one? Well, I will be the most cynical wrestling fan, and I think this was unnecessary. I thought that, you know, we're getting him Friday in a match. If we look at this as a pay-per-view event and Wednesday is part one and Friday's part two, you don't need this. I feel like we've seen so far the network really I, – I think this was a TNT thing. They keep pushing him to be on every episode and cut some kind of promo or some kind of thing. I, I think it's a little overkill because there was no new information. Um, it was fun. I mean, the when he said, don't expect, you know, I'm glad I don't have to follow that. That was a great moment. But mm -hmm. it was just overall, everything else on this show really felt important. And if I had to cut one thing, and I'm a big punk fan, this is what I would have cut. Like I said, mainly because I know that the audience uh, well, I'll disagree with that, but we'll get to that later. The audience in Queens and um, us at home are getting him later this week. Scott, were you pumped to see uh, this punk promo? I mean, I liked it as, as a fan live. Mike, Mike is right about a lot of it. Of course, it did not have to happen. He's having a match. And also, you're, you're getting that cult of personality pop like twice in a night where you could have just held off on it. Uh, I, I will say both pops were huge. The second pop was bigger. I mean, come on. He was about to wrestle. That was very cool. But um, back in trunks. Yeah, to, to me, it's yeah. like, you know, they were hoping for, for a lot more viewership. It, it didn't turn out that way. But I think if you're, if you're writing the show, first off, you do, unfortunately, like have to have Punk on in some way. I think it should be like a video package or something, but whatever. They think he should be out there. But if you were a new person watching, you see a wrestling match that felt like sport. And then you see a promo that since it's punk, it's like, it feels more shoot and not shoot in a way like he's shitting on anybody, but he's hanging out. He's talking. It's not like everybody else. Uh, yeah. So in that way, I loved it. You also did need something to you get could not go into another match after that. You yeah. needed something. And if well, that something match they punk, went to, fuck, yeah, that match they went to was uh, MJF and Brian <laughs> Pillman Jr. Uh, Kevin, was this your favorite match of the year? I mean, talk about Mike said he wasn't a five star guy. And I mean, uh, I guess no one was for this. But I mean, it's I will say I like I have felt it more into a couple weeks ago. I feel like I saw Brian Pillman wrestle and I was like, you know what? He looked pretty good in the ring. And that's fine. And I love that MJF does what he does in a more committed way than a lot of guys do. He tries to, you know, be someone you hate without being that cool about it, which I appreciate. But also, it is, uh, I don't need to see that much of it ever, I feel like. And I don't know if that's like a lot of other wrestling fans, but uh, I, I, I did stick to this. But this was a time when I found myself checking out the phone a couple times. Scott, was it dope? 
It, I thought it was certainly dope. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Pillman Jr. did a really good job. He had some cool spots. Uh, the MJF Julia Hart stuff, like from that moment on was when people got really hyped. Uh, before that, we were kind of just watching a match. But I liked it. I liked that they put two, you know, two young guys uh, in a match together. They, it, it feels like that almost never happens. Yeah, right place in the and, show for it, too. Yeah, yeah like too. And, and something felt really cool about that, that these are like babies wrestling each other and they're the <laughs> future. And, you know, Pillman, it, Brian, everyone knows the name Brian Pillman and you're seeing his kid and MJF. Is, I mean, who's better than MJF uh, on the mic, at least. So, yeah, I liked it. I did like it. And I liked that MJF won. Dan, did you like it? Um, you know, look, I mean, I don't think the match itself was that great, but I, I, I do think, it, like, Pillman's one of these guys who's got a lot of upside, right? Because he's he's a good promo, he's a natural babyface. You root for him, but you know, as a as a bell to bell athlete, he's very green. You know, he's still putting stuff together, and you know, his dad was a natural athlete. His dad, you know, probably professionally beforehand, and his dad could fly around the ring and it looks crazy. I, I, I do think that they do a little disservice because, you know, his finishing movie kind of does, you know, almost like a verge. It, it's very phenomenal forearm reminiscent, but he doesn't look like AJ when he does it, you know, he's <laughs> right. a big guy and he doesn't get the air that AJ gets. So I, I think that like some of the decisions they make for Brian Pillman uh, are like, I'm like, I don't think that the guy you think is there is there. But I, I do think that he's, you know, a, a natural baby face. And he's one of those guys where you immediately like him. And that's hard in wrestling, you know. And and some of that sure is like, you know, how great he came off in Dark Side. But some of it, too, is just, you know, he's a guy you naturally root for when he comes on. I mean, the, the highlight of this wasn't the match itself. It was MJF's parents who were, like, seated right next to us um, with the with saying, we came here to boo MJF and he's our son or whatever the sign was. So that, that was really the whole reason for me of this entire match, you know. Mike, did you love it? I did. Of course I did. Um, because it felt different. I mean, in terms of like a whole presentation of, of wrestling, you know, the fact that you started with that, you know, MJF doing the, the, the pretend handshake and, you know, uh, Pillman just jumping on him and hitting him as opposed to the long feeling out process of the first match. I love mm -hmm. shit like that when – shit feels different this felt you know that felt like who is the best in the world this was more of a a grudge match situation and i think that uh mjf wanted his parents there just to get into pillman jr's mind hey look my parents are both alive and together <laughs> <laughs> they and hate me you wish yours did <laughs> yeah so uh, pillman thought he had a rough life mjf had a jewish mother so <laughs> that, that's that's the next dark side um yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know i i enjoyed it because this is what Max needed. He needed a simple feud where he eventually was just going to flatten the guy and beat him. And it wasn't going to ruin whoever he beat. Uh, right. They didn't tease a Wardlow turn. It was a straight up Max out wrestled Pillman. Dan, you were absolutely right. Handling Brian Pillman is very tough. When we had him in MLW, the problem we ran into is everybody desperately wants him to be his dad. And he's not his dad. He doesn't have the aerial skills. He doesn't quite have the same and charisma. Not, uh, he's not untalented. He's a talented no, he's not untalented, but it's you're comparing uh, somebody. It, he's Frank Sinatra Jr., who's a talented singer, but he's not but Frank like, Sinatra. But let me um, just say this too. 
no one is Brian Pillman. You know right. what I mean? Like, well, no one has also all those specific traits. But the thing about Pillman Jr. is he's a good heel. We had him as a heel. He's He's got a, a, a little bit of a sliminess to him where you want to boo him. So him being a baby face doesn't feel as natural because that's not it's not who he is on camera and it's kind of not who his personality type is. And I think once they ultimately figure this out and he turns on that goof, Griff, Griff Garrison, he's hey. going to be a more entertaining heel. Griff Garrison is a, a I, waste I like of, of course you do. In the <laughs> he's back 13 was, years old, Robert. In the back was my, <laughs> was, was probably the, I'm hoping you guys weren't able to hear this because uh, it was Chris Jericho and Jake Hager cutting a promo about uh, the Dan Lambert crew where oh, yeah, Jake Hager had this pearl of wisdom, which was men of the year, more like boys of the week. <laughs> I love that. And that was that was the moment where it's like Wait, they need to not. Yeah, I like that. That's God. how I write roast jokes, dude. I like that. <laughs> yes, I thought you wrote this. I thought you got backstage. Oh my yeah, God. that's a killer, here. dude. Jake, Jake uh, Hager's Boys of the Week is also Pat Patterson's favorite magazine. <laughs> uh, well, well, Jake Hager is like a jock who got recast as an extra in Varsity Blues. It's like he would have just been one of the shitty football players who they were like, we can't, this is, this does not, we're not letting him talk. I mean, we'll let him walk by in the background. It, it, Jake Hager's like, I might want your laugh <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually your laugh looks pretty good <laughs> so the, the more more interesting thing to talk about here i think is the malachi black cody match when Whoa, the lights went scott called it scott called it scott called it uh scott called uh i don't remember exactly. calling it don't but know. when when those i will say when the lights went out the crowd erupted, but it, everyone put their flashlights out. I was worried they thought it was going to be Bray <laughs> and that they were going to potentially be disappointed. Uh, they weren't. Instead, it was Malachi against Cody, who completely missed the point of the boys, unless they saw this coming. And this was the most brilliant double turn booking decision of all time, which I don't think it was. Oh, uh, it was for sure, dude. You don't dress like that. Okay. I saw his cape. Okay. The length of his cape was literally the length of that thing you thought was cool that they made. It was like the entire aisle. You don't do that as a baby face. It was, it was definitely longer than Roads to the Top will be on air. Come on, he came out no fucking way. Yeah, he, but he brought. Yeah, but you brought out. But you brought up Brandy for it. That was the part that was a little. They cheered. Oh, we cheered for Brandy though. Oh yeah, no, they cheered when she was in there and told and told Malachi Black, you know, fuck you. And then poor Arn missing the uh, apron and just calling. Food Brandy in my section for that, for sure. Well, Dan was sitting with racists, but the rest of you guys clearly loved uh, nuts that I heard. Like nuts, it was weird. Mike, you you watched it on TV, uh, and I'm sure you have some strong opinions on Cody's attire here. But uh, what was your takeaway on this? No, I mean, this was the 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 dud of the night through no fault of blacks. I mean, I, I'm not uh, a fan of, of, of Cody and, and this. It's just the whole story where it's like Malachi beats him easily, like in a minute or two. Then it takes him way longer to beat all the other guys. And then like and then it ends in a roll up. It's just none of it was like that fun. I mean, I, I could tell that Malachi was over with the crowd. I. I really, I love Malachi. I want to just see him in another feud away from this Cody shit. Um, I don't know how it, it felt to the guys in, in the arena, but Roads to the Top premieres next week. And I, I think <laughs> part of why 
Um, Brandy was there and they pushed it. Yeah, I'm watching Arn fall. I, I didn't think there'd be something sadder than the way his child looks, but um, <laughs> man, it was up there. Uh, this, this was, yeah, it was just because the first match is one of the best matches I've ever seen on TV. Then the second match was like this fun feud with these two young guys, two homegrown. If uh, you don't care about Robert's MLW career, uh, guys, and then and then this was just this just felt like stuck out like a sore thumb. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Homelander is a great fucking character. Um, still not as hateable as when Cody did that fucking speech against a go-go a few months ago. Kevin, <laughs> yeah, was-, was this your low spot? I mean, I this was when I was getting two more beers for sure. Uh, this was this is and it took the entirety of the match. I was watching uh, the TV feed on my phone while I was waiting in line for it. But I yeah, I mean, like I so I I guess even in the moment there, I was unclear on how I was supposed to feel, and it was the only match like that was like that. Where uh, on one hand, I'm like, look, I'm cool with Boo and Cody, but also. If we're going to be a group of fans who are cheering Tony Khan, I'm not going to boo Cody from like, if we're booing the owner, I'm not going to boo the guy. Uh, our, our section with Tony was like, it started out cheers, but then it was cheers and laughs by the end of it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the best he yeah. can hope for. <laughs> Dan, what did you think of this match? You know, what did I think of it? Yeah. I, I thought, look, I this was a blast to watch live, not because... Um, you know, it was a great match or anything, but it was just great to see like people boo Cody and people like it was the first time that AEW's fan base kind of hijacked creative. And, and that was like a cool thing to be there live for. And, you know, I, I it was so they were so toxic towards Cody because it was one of those things. It was the craziest thing I've seen. People started booing Cody and then people felt like they needed to stop. And then they just start booing him again. Like, yeah, it was like, just oh, weird. It was just a weird vibe. It felt weird on TV as well because the announcers were not at all acknowledging the fact that the crowd was booing him. Whereas everything yeah. else, they're very transparent. This felt like the crowd's being really snarky and smarky. And Cody at one point looked at the crowd confused. And I'm like, oh, are they telling a story here? And then they just ignored it. And it, they were all they were talking was how dastardly Malachi Black was and how dare he do, do, you know, do, yeah. do what he did. And it was also strange that you had Stephen Amell there and he was a complete non-factor in this match when it seemed like that was specifically the mm-hmm. like Rosario Dawson stepped up to Malachi Black. Stephen <laughs> yeah. Amell didn't because he's a pussy. Like, what was the point of that story there? Um, it was weird. I don't know if they're going to pivot because Cody was talking about how he's never going to be a heel again. And then they they booked this in such a way where if this was an obvious design to get the crowd to boo, then awesome. If not, they're going to have a, a, a Cody Rhodes problem for a while. No, he's both. He's both that. And that's the reason. And, and, and that's people say, that's the reason he comes out from the center. Is there because was, he's, he, he embraces all of it. It's up to you. He's, he's like John Cena, you know? Mm. Can, we, can we also say like, this is important um, in the commentary <laughs> They said that he, uh, last week, Malachi Black attacked member of the Nightmare family, Rosario <laughs> Dawson. That's awesome. <laughs> That's Dude, Cody, man, Cody smacking the ref was, at least live, it was awesome. Uh, 
The way Arn, yeah. I felt bad for him when Arn yelled at him because it's like we're booing him now. Arn's yelling at him, and he's just like fucking <laughs> up. What do I do? I Arn yelling awesome, at him was. was I thought it was great. so. I mean, that's really well done to come out in that outfit, and you know what that outfit is, and then to have Arn get mad at you to smack the ref, and then dude, we're bringing back Mist. Hell yeah, let's talk about that too. Mist is Are great. Fans of the Mist. I am. Yes. I'm always Jim Ross couldn't get out black mist. He couldn't think of what it was called. And he just kept stuttering. <laughs> like, he got that. He got that black, that black, that uh, the Malachi black with the black. And it was just so it was like my like thing was like skipping you know. on repeat. Um, but is it, is it, is it, is it I, I, brought is back it progressive the- for a white guy to use mist or is it appropriation? <laughs> I think it's okay. Cause he's European Mike. So it's like one of those that he gets a pass, like wearing a man purse. Uh, there was a video package yeah, for, they're known for their diversity. Yes, there was a video package for uh, Miro and Sammy Guevara that was pretty well done. Uh, Miro, who uh, was talking about, uh, you know, the standard Miro bullshit. If I beat up your friend and you didn't care for several weeks and now all of a sudden you care because you think I'm hurt. And, uh, you know, I demand uh, pain uh, from some and from my wife pleasure, unless she wants pain, which is just getting super uncomfortable. If they don't debut her <laughs> like this just feels like he's saying stuff he shouldn't, but uh, did they play this in the uh, stadium? Yeah, but we were flipping out. I don't know what he said. We were just screaming Miro. All right. Uh, then we'll move on to FTR with Tully Blanchard versus sting and his son, Darby Allen. Uh, Scott, what'd you think of this? I thought this was a, a, a blast. I thought FTR, yeah. it, was, it was one of those moments where you go, yup, that's why they are, in a sense, better than everybody else, uh, definitely in aspects of what they do. Um, and Sting, I mean, Sting has not missed in AEW. I mean, at first, when he kept showing up, kind of like Punk does now, except <laughs> not cutting promos, he just stood there, you know? That was pretty rough, but Match-wise, this guy's knocking it out of the park. I thought the way he was used in this was was perfect. The way Darby used in this was perfect. FTR's gear was fantastic. Uh, I love this. I love, love, love this. I, I, it, I think the Omega match takes away from this next day in a sense that no one's starting a conversation with this match. But any other week, we'd be flipping out about how Sting can still go and how great FTR is and how Darby's, you know, the future. Yeah. Evan, were you flipping out? Yeah, this was, I mean, in terms of just pure fun, I, I, I was totally flipping out. I, I feel like this was, it, you think of the, the Omega Brian match. And then there's one match on rampage that I would even put in the conversation with this one as the other thing, basically like this was so fun. This is, I really liked uh, one of the pre-produced, you know, Darby and sting matches they had when they're running around the warehouse. I really enjoyed that. But outside of that, this was, I mean, this, this is the most fun I've had watching sting in this company. And he did so much and he did like, there was the spot with the chair in the corner where you're like, don't do it, Sting. Don't be the dumb guy. Run into it. And he didn't. And he turned it around. That was such a great spot. And it was just like, they managed to give you what you wanted, even if you didn't know how you wanted it. And it was, this, this was like a perfect match for me. And it was, uh, it, w- it was just super fun. Well, like, that's oh, it for sorry, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. I'm trying to get Kevin out of here because he's got a heart out at 730. Kevin. Uh, what can you yeah. plug? First off, fantastic. Thank you for doing the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Anytime. Uh, I, yeah. 
You can, uh, the, you know, just all I'm um, at Kevin McCaff on your Twitters, your TikToks, your Instagrams. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this is really into Sex in the City and myself and a very funny TV writer named John Daly have a Sex in the City podcast at Sex in the City. It's uh, if you want to listen to that. Uh, but yeah, just at Kevin McCaff on uh, on all the things. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'll see you guys. See you guys here again sometime in the future. Absolutely. And you open invite, open invite. Rest awesome. in peace, Willie Garson. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. See, Robert knows what's up. <laughs> yes uh all right well uh kevin thank you uh thank you for joining us and and oh well, before you go any quick thoughts on ruby soho Britt baker oh i thought it was great and i i mean this is the other element to opening with with brian and omega that i thought was perfect because it was shocking in the moment but it reminds me like i was at the uh the philly royal rumble that opened with the men's rumble that shinsuke ended up winning and at first i was like ah oh, we're opening for that with this and then it ended up working for me perfectly and i thought it made perfect sense and it was great that they got to finish and you know brit's going over but it still worked for me uh in a way that uh you know it's i guess brit's getting cheered more than you'd typically like a heel to be cheered but brit's brit so it it i uh, yeah it was great it was everything it needed to be and i'm glad it got to close this a show of this stature awesome well we'll take a step back mike we'll go back to you on ftr and sting and and darby I'm glad I'm a step back. Um, uh, <laughs> I, you know, my my only thing, and I've said this before, I, this was fun. The Sting Darby match is always fun. I do think that Darby should be getting the pins. I, I've said that before. I'll say that again. Oh, he's, oh, that was so cool. That finish was so cool, though, man. That's yeah, but he's he's done it a couple of times now. And I, I know it's nitpicky. I know it's whiny wrestling fan, but Darby's the, great. But Darby's the guy that's in the company for the future. Um, I just think that he should be getting the wins. That's it. That's Generally, I agree. I, I disagree in this instance because this felt completely like in-person fan service because the story they were telling was FTR has only lost, I think, two or three times ever. And I'm like, well, there's no way you're beating FTR with Sting and Darby. And then they did, and they did it with Sting. And it felt like we want to give the New York crowd something that they can remember uh, you know, fuck our our uh, our, our our roster. Our our uh, I can't think of the name of the word. Our rankings. standings, the, the rankings, standings. the standings. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we're just going to give you something. You're going to watch him punch Tully. I thought they were giving him the out with the chair, and then Sting and Darby still won. So I don't think FTR is that expendable that you that you should be doing this with them. But I'm sure that they were having a blast being in there with Sting. So I'm trying not to be myself on this for once and just be like. Good for them. I'm sure they were happy to take stinger splashes in the Scorpion Deathlock. Oh, yeah, it's a super, uh, it's a super fun moment. And, and and I don't disagree with any of that. And I'm sure that those dudes fucking love yeah. this. And I and and I and I and I think that Sting and Darby should have won even. Um, I, I haven't once felt like they're gonna lose, which is okay. I mean, I don't think when they do it'll be a big deal. I also feel like you know. You know, they uh, Sting and Darby beat Men of the Year, and then they teamed up with Dan Lambert. I feel like FTR should team up with Dan Lambert, kick out Men of the Year because they're much better at they are what Dan Lambert wants in wrestling. Very Mike, true. they're in the pinnacle, the most dominant stable that sometimes exists. <laughs> um, then, so the main event, which uh, I oh wait I, wait, I, I would know. like to say though, just because my whole life I thought that WCW guys were from the South. 
and they couldn't get over in New York. Like I literally thought that was the idea that if Sting, nobody likes Sting in New York. That's why Sting doesn't perform in New York. The people here, it was like they they never got to see Sting ever. And dude, it, I mean, would, dude, there oh, was people there that I thought they were going to cry. And it was like right, all they were so excited from that Sting Seth Rollins match that they were like, oh, I want to see that guy. I want to see the guy that lost <laughs> the Triple H at WrestleMania. That's all it was. There, uh, there was a big Sting is in Sting is up north feeling. And it was very cool. Look, the, 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 the Seth match was actually pretty good up until the end. Uh, for Seth Rollins. But it, um, See, I disagree. I thought it was pretty bad up until the end. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, great finisher. Sting was uh, Sting was so over, and the reason that I love Sting being over, it's because I realized like, oh shit, this crowd really does hate Babyface Cody. <laughs> you know, like this isn't just a, we're gonna cheer for the heels because if it was a we're gonna cheer for the heels crowd, I would have cheered for FDR because FDR, I mean, they are fucking cool heels, you know um so yeah man it was just uh it was a lot of fun man the whole that was a lot of fun seeing people react to sting it was uh it was really cool and the uh the main event ruby soho Britt baker i didn't like a ton because it felt like the crowd ran out of gas when ruby soho first came out there and she i think was expecting a bigger pop than she got which was kind of unfortunate and the crowd was split cheering for Brit and Ruby and then kind of went almost all in on Brit at one point. And that was not the story AEW was trying to tell. And I usually praise AEW crowds that they don't do that kind of shtick. Um, but that was how it felt here. And I just felt bad for Ruby Soho that she was put in a position that they probably shouldn't have put her in here um, in the main event because it was it felt a little bit like diminished returns. Uh, Scott, am I being too hard on this? Were you guys super into Ruby Soho and it just didn't translate? Or did yeah, it feel I, like the crowd wanted Brit? No, I mean, the crowd wanted Brit, but everybody liked Ruby. It was just Brit, you know, Brit was the one we were mostly cheering for. We knew what they were doing in this match too. This was like a super smart wrestling crowd. And when you see Brit dominating to the point of, Ruby is just getting murdered and she's still kicking. It's like, you know, you, they wanted us to eventually start cheering for Ruby. I think we kind of did, but then we started cheering for Brit again, but it did happen where Ruby was selling like a, like a maniac. I mean, I, I think she took like mo more frightening moves that we saw live than maybe anybody that night. There's someone else later on uh, that wasn't intentional at rampage, but, um, but yeah, man, fr from where I was sitting, she was being murdered the last few minutes of that match. And we did get behind her, but then Britt wins and we love Britt. So, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, Dan, in, in your racist section you were in, did you guys like <laughs> Ruby or were you just all about Britt Baker? Um, we liked both of them. I mean, I, I think that they both got cheered. I think Scott's right. Britt got cheered a little bit more. I, I didn't really feel that much fatigue, uh, you know, like... I really didn't feel a lot of fatigue the whole night. Like we left a little early because we wanted to avoid, you know, the I'm sure what was hell getting out of that place. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was, you know, I I, I, I think that there, I think it was the best, second best, maybe second best uh, Britt Baker match I've seen in AEW. Like, yeah, Thunder I'll say that. I, th I thought, I thought there was a lot of great moves in better, it. Better, obviously. But like, I thought that this was probably better than, Chris Statlander, right? And I thought that was good. 
but it was it was better. I think Ruby's good. I I, I do think like the one thing that I kind of had hoped with Ruby is that she was gonna, um, you know, she's she's ve- she's very good when she has a good wrestler, but she still doesn't have. They need to get they need to get somebody from WWE who can carry some of their greener women, and they don't have that yet. And I don't know who you get. Um, you know, obviously somebody like Natty or something would be great, but like they need somebody there that's gonna like. They need, they, I, I, I know Mike Lawrence is going to cut my balls off for this, but they need a female Christian for AEW. Like, like they, they need somebody who's well, going to help. That's fair. That, the natty is the female Christian. And <laughs> that I also wouldn't want to see Christian on a reality show for eight seasons. <laughs> it would be kind of funny if it was on a Catch a Predator for one episode, but yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Mike, what'd you think of this match? This is fun. I mean, you know, like I, I thought that this show was really well paced and this felt like the second biggest match on the card. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to realize like the AW formula sometimes is that's what you main event with. And I don't think that's a bad thing, especially when, you know, your biggest match is a time limit draw and it's way smarter. Do that first and then figure everything else out. I thought, and this did get like a good amount of time. Um, you know, I don't know where you go from here. I'm guessing, I mean, everyone's saying that, you know, you'll do Rosa Britt again. I don't know if I would have had Ruby premiere and already lose the title, you know, shot within the first month, but she's over and, and I think she'll be fine. And I definitely feel like, she's done a lot for the division just even in a short amount of time like i felt that this was the most um equal to um competitors that felt in that division in terms of popularity all right well there you have it that was that was dynamite uh dan scott and zach were at rampage so if you uh don't want rampage spoiled or you're listening to this before rampage happened uh, you can you can fast forward a, a little bit. Maybe we'll put a comment in there about the time in which they stopped talking about Rampage or just fucking man up and realize it's a television show and you'll live if you accidentally hear what happens to Hobbs. Yeah, it's all <laughs> it's all fake and nothing actually really happened. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just we'll we'll, we'll uh, you know, Rampage was great. It was probably the best, probably the best Rampage they've ever had. I'm, I'm guessing. Right, Scott? Yeah, uh, yeah. Red you, red you want to just velvet. jump around and say the best parts? Uh, yeah, I, I'll just I'll go through my high spots of yeah, it. Yeah, there we go, and I'll go through mine, and then and then we'll drop yeah, it. But uh, my high spot um, uh, above all else is Suzuki's charisma live, dude, is fucking unbelievable. Especially from where I was when him and Lance Archer were like, and Lance Archer was over. Everybody was over in that hour. Um, yeah, I didn't think that. I think that that match was my least favorite of maybe the entire night. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see. I, I only saw the first. I only saw like when they were choking him out, and then when Homicide entered, and then I left. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Oh, Robert, did you know that Homicide shows up in the main event of? I, I did see that. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. Eddie Wait, cut a promo. Look at the wife. It's great. <laughs> uh, the Punk match for me, man. So they opened the show with Punk versus Hobbs. I think it's better than Punk's Darby match. He's wearing trunks. He Dude, drops a fucking elbow. Man, so come on. That's all you need. Dude. What, Dan? 
Dude, Powerhouse Hobbs has so much charisma. So good, man. I mean, oh, he played it up, too. I, I loved this match so much. Uh, there was a little botch in it. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs land on his head hard uh, from the second rope, I think, and hard, man. Uh, but he continued. He seemed fine. Uh, yeah, but I loved that match so much. The match after that was the Super Click versus Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian. Yeah. Holy shit, this was the second best match of the night for me it was omega and you know omega and brian danielson at and the then, time my favorite and then i went back and watched it was brian. your favorite yeah man oh, it was live but like watching re-watching danielson omega i was like okay well this is unquestionably a better match live again so many moves i've just never seen before uh jungle boy one he's so over i mean people flipped for jungle boy so is adam and- cole and Adam. the moves he does. Oh, yeah, Adam Cole, too, was holy shit. Yeah. Um, dude, everybody in this match was so over, and that's part of the reason it was so great. Luchasaurus knocked it out of the park. Like, everybody was on point. There was a moment dude, Brandon- had in this match that I was like, did this just make Luchasaurus? Because yeah. he was just killing everybody, and the whole crowd was chanting, Luchasaurus. And I don't remember the last time that's happened. Uh, just awesome spots in that. You know, again, main event with Homicide was cool. The Jericho match, I did not watch. That is when I decided to... I I didn't even buy food. I took a piss and just wandered. I wandered. You uh, want to sing Judas? No, I had to stretch out because my fucking... My balls, like I told you guys before, were were in a lot of pain at that point. You see, that's that's the problem with you millennials. (laughs) You get four hours of great fucking wrestling, and then you still wander around because your balls are so soft. (laughs) I I saw this match live. Um, It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything special as far as in ring. It it did feel like, oh, Jericho from two months ago is back. But uh, it, I will say this, like, like having, you know, obviously doing Judas with the, with the whole crab is great. Seeing Jericho take in Judas, like at that stadium, like you just like, he's just like, I'm like, you are definitely fucking in front of a mirror tonight, buddy. Like he had that like blow about him. Um, and they paid off the Dan Lambert thing, man. I mean, if, if this is paying off, I mean, the big angle, the thing that everyone's going to talk about from Rampage is uh, top team came in the ring um and there were some really cool things about it and there was something that wasn't as cool which we'll get into for a second but the the thing that was cool is jorge masvidal gave jericho the same knee that he took out ben Askren with now if this leads to a jericho jorge masvidal match at full gear that's fucking huge that's huge for the company you have jorge masvidal who's still in his prime um even if it's a tag match like inner circle versus top team that's huge for the huge for the company uh, unfortunately, I don't know if Dana's going to let that happen. So if, if it really is just going to depend on what the aftermath, if this leads to a, a, an actual match, I'm very happy by this. But if this was just to like get a pop for Jorge Masvidal doing it at the end of the match, um, Tony Khan comes out. And I mean, when I say you can't understand what the fuck Tony Khan is saying, like, Tony Khan, if you think Tony Khan is awkward on screen when he's like, <laughs> When he's in front of a microphone, like he literally says, "like Thank you so much" at the very end. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was so funny, and then he got into uh, Dan Lambert's face, and uh, who was it? Was it wasn't Kane Velasquez? Who's the guy? Who's the other guy that was there? The Arzlovsky. That's it. 
No, the other guys, bald guys. Junior Dos Santos. Santos, yes, Junior Dos Santos. He he just picked up Tony like a little baby and like kind of threw him around. And I wanted him to seem really beat, but I really hope this doesn't like end. Here's the thing: is I hope this ends in Jorge Masvidal beating Jericho. I hope this doesn't end with Tony Khan giving the Bronco Buster to Dan Lambert. And I think that that is where you and I disagree, Dan. I want to see Dan Lambert on this one, baby. I want to see Tony Khan put the company on the line against Dan Lambert. And then Dan Lambert's (laughs) the new authority figure of AEW and just soak it in every week. Um, Oh, also, I just want to shout out these moments. Santana and Ortiz uh, were so fucking over. The Lucha Bros were so over. That match was awesome. Dude, my my, my moment of the night was Santana taking the crowd in. That was my favorite moment. That was beautiful, man. Uh, Dude, Miro. Miro shows up and beats the fuck out of Sammy Guevara while he's doing the cue cards. And he beats up, uh, you know, the other... Fuego Del Sol. Fuego Del Sol. He he throws Fuego off the stage. This boy flies. It... Uh, I hope it. I hope it comes off as as well as it did live, uh, and then Eddie Kingston, dude. I mean, you're not going to see it live, uh, but he gets on the mic after the show. His mother's in the crowd. He's like, "Mom!" His voice cracks. He's like crying. You know, it's like, dude, you got to be kidding me. And and they're telling him he's got to go. It's like past twelve. It's twelve oh one, and he's like, "I don't give a fuck." And he's like, "Dude, it was just beautiful." He started. He started R.I.P. in people. I mean, it was. It was heaven. It was heaven, man. Yeah, he turns everything to the Source Awards. It's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, there was a moment that during the punk, during Punk's entrance that I don't know if you guys saw. There were a couple people asking for him to crowd surf and dive in, and he's trying to explain to him the distance between yeah, the yeah. ramp and there. Oh, it was fantastic. Amazing. It, I did it, see that. Yeah. God said about Miro. Um, this never happens in wrestling, and they put up great. Is that Miro then picked up the sign that said "New TNT Champion Sammy Guevara." And he ripped it in half, you know, which I thought was like such a cool little, you know, look, I, I don't think they're going to put the title on Sammy as much as I, you know, I kind of want to see it in some, you know, although I love Miro as champion um, from that reaction, because Sammy was over, but I think Miro was a little bit more over than Sammy. I don't know. What yeah, do you think? Oh, he was. Yeah. There at least people flipped for Miro. Yeah. yeah but it was a great a time, man. It was, it was really one Dude, of the punk best. and trunks is a big difference. Uh, I mean, I know, Mike, you like the tights. Uh, I couldn't get over him. Something really good. No, I mean, he's – certain guys are trunks dudes. Certain guys are tights dudes. If you only ever see someone in trunks, then it's like what you're used to. It all depends, you know. Yeah, I liked it's, him when we used to wrestle in basketball shorts. I thought that looked cool. Yeah, When yeah. he do the Pepsi plunge in the basketball shorts, like, that looks awesome. All right. I, dude, but, man, I, he went for it in this match, man. And you know what? Like, at least the first minute you go, God damn, this, this boy – saw that Brian match and talked, you know, and talked to him after. And these are guys who came up together, you know, Brian Danielson and CM Punk. And he was like, I got to turn it up a notch because Punk in that first minute of the match is like running around throwing punches and shit. I, I just thought he did a lot better than the Derby match. He, he, it felt like he had something to prove. I also read that there were some botches. I didn't see him from where I was sitting. There was, there was some, you know, the head he even, he even kind of drew, like he even kind of brought reference to it, but. Oh, okay. Okay. Folks, that's our Dynamite Rampage review. What a blast of a show. Um, time for the this week's We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup. We'll try to make this a little fast since we're running low on time. But this week we had the Shockmaster versus Kizarni. There's really nothing to say about the Shockmaster. We all know the Shockmaster. If you haven't 
seen Opie and Anthony uh, discuss it and Patrice discuss that that's the funniest you're going to see somebody uh, discuss the Shockmaster because they, <laughs> they truly do it from like an outside wrestling perspective, which I, I really that's what think you need when watching that thing. Um, but if, if you haven't seen it, you know, Shockmaster comes out for this big debut, formerly Tugboat of the Natural Disasters. Uh, he's wearing a Stormtrooper that helmet that's been painted blue with glitter. Uh, and uh, the uh, gimmicked wall doesn't work fully. So he actually, the wall only comes off halfway and then it causes the rest of his body to flip over, lose the helmet. And uh, then he finishes the promo. It's really one of the greatest, you know, you've probably seen it. It's one of the greatest moments ever. Um, the character itself, Shockmaster, he never really wrestled in that mask again. So my, I, this is this one again was hard, which is the worst gimmick. Kazarni, um, I watched a Kazarni match. He, he he beat MVP in this match. He did speak in Carney. Um, so I, I got to say, I think that Shockmaster is definitely the worst gimmick because I do think there's potential with Kazarni. Like the idea of like a creepy Carney guy. And, and and also you can put him anywhere on the, you know, it's a good, it's a good middle act. It's a good lower act. I think he was too small for, for WWE at the time. Um, but, uh, I, I don't think the, I, I actually think the gimmick is, you know, it's like gold dust ass. There's something about it. That's kind of like eerie. Um, what do you think, Mike? What's the worst gimmick? Well, all wrestlers speak in Carney, And I think the best way to talk about the shock master is to say, Hey, we're running out of time. Let's speed things up. Oh, by the way, here's a way funnier, uh, podcast that talked about this, uh, years ago. That's Radio the way show. to talk about the Shockmaster. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, look, man, I fucking love me some Uncle Fred, uh, Fred Ottman. The fact that this continued after this night is amazing. That he just came out looking like a, he basically looked like every construction worker in a Good Burger sketch that's upset that Kel <laughs> got his order wrong. Um, <laughs> it, 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 like, I mean, yeah, Kazarni, it was fine. It was, it could have been something. But, yeah, the fact that they thought, regardless of what the gimmick is, main eventer Fred Ottman has to be the worst gimmick. And, and look, he seems like the nicest fucking dude. He is somehow still alive. Um, you know, you get him I, on the think, pod. I think the first ever something to wrestle with in the, in the – thing that I was like, oh, I'm going to keep listening to this podcast was when Bruce talked about the idea of Sheik Tugboat instead of uh, our Iraqi sympathizer Sergeant Slaughter, that the, the original choice was to make Tugboat a Iraqi sympathizer in <laughs> WrestleMania 7. Just just Tugboat on top is fucking hilarious to me, or Typhoon or whatever. Um, that's got to be the worst gimmick, but uh, he does seem like the, the nicest fucking guy. He looks like he would give you the Lunchable that's been sitting in his pocket. But right. on top is what killed Mrs. Ottman. We got, <laughs> we, got, we got two votes for Shockmaster, so we really only need one more vote out of you three. Does anyone here think that Kazarni is the worst gimmick? I think Kazarni is the worst gimmick just because it's Sin Bodhi. Like that, it's not a gimmick. That's literally who he still is to this day. Uh, and him being himself was not enough for him to stick around on television it it sucked shockmaster at least gave us 
one of the all-time classic wrestling moments. So for that reason alone, it's it's got to get a pass. Whereas Kazarni is like, oh yeah, he was on SmackDown for like three weeks and wasn't, uh, you know, the pirate uh, Paul Burchill. And well, he does. Oh, and also uh, Shockmaster voiced by Ole Anderson. So just imagining that voice calling Linda the C-word. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott, what do you think is the worst gimmick? Well, uh, I think Shockmaster, it, it, it's a thing where it is, it is the worst gimmick. Uh, and so when you say it's the worst gimmick, it's almost like you're presenting it in an award, you know? Like, you don't want to yeah. say it's worse than anything because you love it so much. But the truth is, it's because it's so bad. And brains are funny, you know? Uh, so, yeah, Shockmaster is the worst gimmick, you know, ever, maybe. But it's certainly presented to us that way. And in, in that way, I do have to say, yeah, Shockmaster. Like, it's just the truth. All right, Shockmaster moves on, guys. He's got to move on, yeah. Time for high spot. Shockmaster QT, that's going to be a great fucking... <laughs> <laughs> High spot, low spot. Uh, but before that, uh, let's get to our Twitterverse. Mike, what do you got this week? All right. So I asked people, uh, you know, it is hard to remember, but there's a WWE pay-per-view this Sunday um, wow. called Extreme Rules, apparently. Match. What's that? That finally has an Extreme Rules match. Yeah. And I asked the Twitterverse. Uh, that's a good point. Uh What's the most extreme thing about this week's Extreme Rolls pay-per-view? <laughs> so we have at Bleeding Blue 20, uh, when Lesnar finishes a 36-ounce steak, a cheesy baked potato, a bag of beef jerky, and a few Miller Lights in front of Triple H. <laughs> at SmartNado781, the insignificance. At Scott Fari, the fucking <laughs> camera cuts will be the most extreme thing about this show. At Dij15, the extremely extreme emphasis Michael Cole puts on the word extreme all 247 times he says the word extreme during extreme rules. <laughs> At Terminal Franc, the extremely satisfying dump I take during Priest versus Sheamus. Now that's a good shit, pal. <laughs> At the Quackenbush, having someone who wants to watch it seems pretty extreme to me. <laughs> at SS Clay Davis, uh, seeing if the Peacock stream actually works. At the King A256, my apathy towards it. At Chat Mannequin, the Demons Maximum Carnage face paint, totally 90s, extreme to the max. At Promographic Ken, that the guy who's running the show almost killed his son in law without laying a finger on him with the NXT reboot. <laughs> at Christopher W227, the amount of weed Randy Orton and Riddle will smoke before the event. At White Tick, when Karrion Cross dresses up in his Sean Connery from Zardo's cosplay. At the Burt 88, the Scott Chaplin's reaction when the podcast diverts from AEW for just one segment. <laughs> at SmartNado1, Jimmy Uso's blood alcohol content is extremely high, around 2.5-ish. And finally, at Chris Economidis, in his Norm MacDonald voice, how extremely bad the show's going to be. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Forbidden Dorks, best fans in the world, best fans in the world. Let's do high spot, low spot. Um, 
let's knock it out just since we're running a little late. Uh, say your high spot and your low spot. Mike, let's start with you. My high spot is the uh, the Owen Hart Foundation making a deal with AEW, having a tournament, giving a place to honor him, the family feeling like they can celebrate him in wrestling again, I think is a great fucking moment. It's awesome uh, for the fans. We'll get Owen Hart action figures, Owen Hart video games, and knowing that some yeah, of those... Mike buried the lead of why he's really excited about it, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, but and, and they'll be official, and and AW makes great figures, and I think their game's gonna be great. Uh, but no, I think this is really awesome. Um, it shows that there isn't just one company in terms of even honoring the legacy of wrestlers, and the fact that the family decided this. You know, um, I think it's hard to watch that dark side without rooting for martha and the goodwill of that charity so i'm really excited about this and my my low spot is going to be the um is the guy's name joe gacy the the woke wrestler on nxt who is talking about um safe spaces and stuff it feels really weird for wwe to be making fun of political correctness (laughs) Um, because, uh, it, 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 they will, uh, make a choice whenever they feel threatened, even though they don't believe in anything. You know, I think flair, uh, has been taken off of a lot of the merchandise stuff. Flair, flair is also out of the opening Titan Tron replaced with upstanding citizen ultimate warrior. You know, <laughs> they, uh, got rid of Hogan for a few years. Like this is a company that. When it benefits them, they will act like a wrestler doesn't exist, and yet they still want to shit on political correctness. It feels like kind of fucking weird, and they shouldn't do that. Well, that that gimmick, the wokeness thing. I mean, I've seen a bunch of guys do that the last five years, like indie guys. So yeah, it's- I, have, I just haven't seen it in like a main company that gets a lot of money from Saudi murder. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if things are completely linked up, but. Hey, it's not my low spot. Uh, Scott, high spot was. Okay, high spot would be, here we go. We're going for it. It is the fact that the three best matches this week have been from Kenny Omega. And again, and now Rampage spoiler, the Young Bucks. Uh, and at the G1, Kota Ibushi. Uh, but after today, maybe Zack Sabre Jr., but that doesn't make my point. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Koto Ibushi, uh, they had T-shirts made a few years ago that said, change the world on the back of them. It was the golden elite they became, and it's when they started uh, using the thing, the whole change the world thing that Omega would use. And this week, uh, I feel like they have really, you know, you look at it after that shirt was made, and at the very least, they've changed the wrestling world, and that's what Grand Slam felt like uh, these guys specifically deserve props because this is their show. It does not exist without them. Uh, and Tony Khan's money, yes, but we gave him all the pops he deserves at Grand <laughs> Slam. I promise you, uh, people went apeshit for that guy. But- it's got, I don't think they were ever going to change anything but the wrestling world. I don't think it was like, <laughs> hey, let's put more well, of electric course, cars I, out I, there. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> That'd be beautiful, though. But uh, goddamn, they did it. And that's really cool. Grand Slam felt like something special uh, for fans of wrestling. 
uh, that that was really awesome. Oh, and Lil Uzi Vert came out and and battle rapped. Uh, well, he didn't battle rap. He just stood there and let Tony Khan battle rap uh, the acclaimed. And that was cool. What's the low spot this week? Low spot would be okay. So I'm gonna jump over the Ric Flair thing to an Undertaker story. Did you see the Rene Dupree Undertaker story? Uh, where I guess the Undertaker had people shit and piss on a, on the French flag to like because um, Rene Dupree wouldn't go out drinking with them the night before. And I just think that's fucking absurd and lame. Uh, so that'll be my low spot, just because I'm assuming the flare thing is going to be someone else's. This flag will rest in <laughs> pee. <laughs> Robert, what's your high spot, low spot? My high spot this week was uh, watching the, the Danielson Omega match, hearing the crowd so happy to watch pro wrestling from the opening bell was just it was really cool. I'm glad that that moment happened. I really enjoyed it. My, my low spots this week first would be as far as flair is concerned, we were promised they were pulling the car shield commercial and they didn't. And it aired on raw and I hate that fucking commercial. So that pissed me off. Um, my genuine low spot this week, piggybacking on Mike's high spot, the Owen Hart announcement from AEW somewhat. It, it was, it's, it, it, it's a weird thing to kind of say as a low spot, but now that AEW is doing this, I feel like we're never going to really get a chance to celebrate the footage that exists of Owen Hart wrestling. And the majority of his career is owned by WWE. They don't put it at the forefront. They don't make DVDs. There's not a Peacock special. You really have to dig to find Owen content. You don't get to hear the wrestlers talk about Owen. And now this move is going to make Vince double down on we don't ever get a chance to talk about Owen. Owen won't get to, you know, be in the WWE Hall of Fame, most likely. I get all the reasoning behind it, just selfishly as a fan. It sucks that it's this difficult to be able to track down Owen Hart content, and they're not going to make it easier over time. You're well, absolutely right, Robert. That is a selfish opinion. <laughs> it is Martha all about the family, and I'm glad that they're terrorists. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the family is what matters, and this is the choice they made, so good for them. Oh, of course. No, yeah, I, dude, I, holograms are, are, you know, wrestling holograms whoop. are going to come out eventually. Tony's going to be one of the first ones to use them. The future, Owen, is going to be great. Um, Robert, uh, retorts? Do you have retorts? Yeah, I think what I'm hoping is that people are going to see this, what's going on, and they're going to want to go track down Owen Hart stuff of their own volition. I just, I just know WWE when it comes to the masses, they are the, the arbiter of what people know and don't know about. It's why Hogan didn't exist for several years when he was in WCW. Uh, it, it's why they have the ability to erase people from history, and they still are the dominant global brand. And I want more people to be able to celebrate and enjoy Owen. But they're and going to. They're just going to go on the WWE network. It just doesn't necessarily benefit AEW. I, I, but I hope. I hope that they do. Fine. I hope that people go and seek out his stuff because I feel like people can't enjoy, haven't been able to enjoy Owen stuff for for years and years because of all the tension that exists there. And he has a tremendous body of work that people really should be watching and seeing and celebrating. And it exists on Peacock, and they'll see it after AEW talks about owen it, like it all works out for everybody honestly it's also but but also just fucking go on youtube or daily motion there's tons of wrestling clips there if you don't want to financially support wwe we can't uh, condone piracy here 
on uh, for intellectual property theft. We had John Pierre Lafitte on. We <laughs> could <laughs> on the piracy for five fucking minutes. Thing, which is the reason, like, we don't have beach houses. If this was the '90s, Mike, um, my high spot was spot this week. I have a lot of high spots. Obviously, he's going to Grand Slam is awesome. G one started. A lot of really fun stuff. I heard this rumor that there's going to be like a new MMA group that's going to like give the fighters the fair shake. So that was like awesome to hear that. My low spot, and I really debated whether or not to tell you this, guys, but uh, I spent an hour last weekend looking for the porn Gangrel directed. Uh, and just that hour of searching for Gangrel's porn, um, that's my low spot. Uh, which gives me a, a great transition. The roast of Gangrel next week, uh, <laughs> as well as uh, the bright side of Gangrel. We're going to, for show and hell, uh, we're not going to watch the porn, but we are going to watch him getting hung by The Undertaker. Um, no French flag involved. We're also for the We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup. I don't have it on me, what we're do- doing right now. I- I'm going to look it up. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun episode next week. And for Patreon, we got Extreme Rules. So if you if you want more of us, just spend uh, five bucks and you'll be able to listen to another bonus episode this week. We've got YouTube. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. We've got a bunch of different things, you guys. We, our Facebook group is awesome. Everybody comes in there and they talk and blah, blah, blah. I just described you guys how a Facebook group works. Um, and uh, I have uh, I have our shirts on our um, on our on my Wrestle Roast store, which is the Wrestle Roast store, and uh, and Robert does too. Uh, so yeah, a lot of fun stuff, guys. And as far as next week, I'm sorry. So the We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup next week will be the Gobbledygooker versus the Zodiac. Woo! <laughs> which. Uh, yeah, man, this is a this is a lot of shit. What um, a great name for this tournament! It's <laughs> a lot of shit. <laughs> this is a lot of shit. I mean, the name of the tournament should be uh, "I looked at Gangrel porn for an hour." Um, but uh, uh, Mike, what do you got to promote? Um, I am, you know, on Instagram, Mike Lawrence Comedy, and I interact with the Facebook page. Uh, Russell Rose, a lot of great, funny people on there. So uh, if you like the show, if you want to post memes, jokes, talk about all the different shows as they air, uh, the wrestling shows could come on there. Uh, you will not be alone in talking about extreme roles because at least one other person will be too. Yeah, my wife to my mother-in-law when she's like, why she's filing for divorce. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott. Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin on Twitter and Instagram. And Robert. Follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. And Zach. Wash your hands. All right, folks. You heard it here first. If, if this is the, if for some of you, this will be the first time you're ever hearing washing your hands. So thank you, Zach. We'll see you guys next week for the roast of wrestling spookiest vampires gangrel <laughs> next week Check it out. all right that's for me gangrel <laughs>